You're listening to Comedy Central. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Daily Social Distancing Show. I'm Trevor Noah, and it is now day 58 of us staying inside to try and stop the spread of coronavirus. And here's your quarantine tip of the day. If you wanna create a little bit of excitement in your life, steal your neighbor's Amazon packages and then swap them with yours. Then every day becomes a secret Santa. Emergency heart medicine, take immediately, sweet. Anyway, on tonight's episode, Corona is turning people into insects. Mitch McConnell calls the wrong president classless. And we look at some of the biggest victims of the Corona pandemic, your neighborhood drug lord. So let's get into it. Welcome to the Daily Social Distancing Show. From Trevor's couch in New York City to your couch somewhere in the world, this is the Daily Social Distancing Show with Trevor Noah, ears edition. You know, these days, it can sometimes feel like we're drowning in bad news. So let us pull you up out of the water and onto that floating door with us where there's plenty of room in our ongoing segment, A Ray of Sunshine. Let's kick it off with restaurants. You know, the place where someone takes you to break up with you when they could have just sent you a text. I don't understand how we went halfsies for the meal, but I paid fully for the heartbreak, Sheila. Health officials say that when restaurants reopen in the age of corona, people will need to sit a few feet apart from each other for safety. But the question is, how do we do that? Well, one of the country's top restaurants has come up with an imaginative way to avoid the awkwardness of having a bunch of empty seats. Well, some places that we go, you know, social distancing can feel a little awkward, like maybe lots of empty spaces in a restaurant, for example. So a North Virginia restaurant is filling in the missing people with mannequins. The Inn at Little Washington, which is a renowned fancy place, I have learned, three Michelin stars, will soon open for half capacity, likely at the end of the month. But the empty tables will feature these frozen friends in vintage 1940s-style outfits. Yes, if eating in a half-empty restaurant makes you uncomfortable, now you have the option of eating in the final scene of a horror movie. Much more relaxing. Also, how bad would you feel if you're eating alone and then you look over and you see that even the guy made out of plastic was able to get a date? And look, I get what this restaurant was trying to do, but I think they went too far when they also used mannequins to occupy all the bathroom stalls. Excuse me, what's taking so long in there? Come on! I gotta get back to my table. I think Sheila's gonna propose. I mean, why else would she bring me here? Why would someone bring you here if they're not gonna propose? You know who's probably really gonna love this restaurant? Mark Zuckerberg. Wow, everyone at this place is so lifelike. Bartender, a round of shots for my fellow humans. Speaking of the Zuck, Facebook, the world's largest social network and elderly TikTok is bringing millions of users together in a really unexpected way. More than a million people are spending time (laughs) during quarantine pretending to be ants. So this Facebook group is called Group Where We All Pretend (laughs) to Be Ants in a Colony. Look at one of the posts here. Ants crawling on ice cream. One person says, munch with me and then take some to the queen. You can see the comments say, (laughs) nom, slurp, and lift to queen. Okay, this is a... This is really interesting. To take their minds off of the stress of corona, millions of Facebook users are pretending 
to be ants. And you thought you were the only one in quarantine feeling a little antsy. <laughs> Back to you, Sandra. Look, man, I get it. I get it. Who wouldn't want to live the carefree life of an ant, right? You just spend all your time carrying crumbs 5,000 times your body weight until the day some asshole kid steps on you because his board sounds like a dream. Now, I know a lot of people are just having fun, but please remember, whenever there's something really fun on Facebook, there's a good chance it's created by the Russians. Let's all pretend to be ants. We bring sugar to queen, then we not vote for Joe Biden. And finally, Here's another way people are keeping from going crazy during this pandemic. Taking the coronavirus outside and beating the crap out of it. Well, this strange sight showed up in a backyard in Alita. What is it? It's a COVID-19 pinata, of course. Jennifer Wurstel tells us a friend made it for her son's 18th birthday last weekend. Well, apparently people like the idea of using a pinata for some stress release and a few laughs. ABC Party in Oak Cliff, known for the colorful pinatas it makes to celebrate special occasions, has added the coronavirus pinata to its lineup. We can dress it in different for different occasions, like our, our, our kids that didn't get to have a graduation, we're going to put a cap and maybe put a gown on it so that they can just uh, hit it and get their frustration out. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. People are making Corona piñatas and showing the virus who's boss. Except instead of candy, a bunch of hydroxychloroquine pills falls out. Self-medication. But here's a tip. If you've got coronavirus strung up, Make sure to interrogate it before you destroy it. We need to find out its secrets. Who sent you? Are you the Chinese virus or are you the European virus? Or do people just change your name depending on their political affiliations, huh? I just pray that Trump doesn't see one of these videos because you know he's gonna propose it at the next briefing. And I saw some people using sticks to destroy the coronavirus. Maybe we can put sticks inside people. Maybe we shrink down the sticks and beat the coronavirus inside the bodies. Can we check that out? Is that something we can do? So go out there, have some fun, and smash a corona piñata. Just whatever you do, don't use a bat because corona loves bats. <laughs> thank you, guys. Thank you, thank you. All right, that's enough silliness. Let's catch up on today's headlines. Our first headline is about Twitter the only place on the internet where Pulitzer Prize-winning journalists can get into fights with Ukrainian teenagers. Yesterday, Twitter CEO Jack Dorsey told 5,000 of his employees working at home that they should never come back to work. Some Twitter employees will never have to go back to the office if they don't want to. Twitter CEO Jack Dorsey told them yesterday they may work from home forever if they prefer to do that, and their job enables them to do so. The company's 5,000 employees were asked to work from home at the beginning of March to prevent the spread of the coronavirus. Twitter says that the past few months have proven they can make it work. Yeah, that's right. Twitter is telling its employees that even after coronavirus is over, they can continue working from home for as long as they want, which is amazing. And I hope more companies follow suit because there are so many advantages to working from home. First of all, your daily commute is like five seconds. Secondly, your office affair is actually good for your marriage. And third, good luck to them trying to fire you over a Zoom call. So, sorry, what, what did you say, boss? Sorry, I, I, I can't, no, I can't. I'm gonna take some extra vacation days and we'll talk in a few weeks. Okay, bye-bye now. I guess the only problem is working from home makes it much harder to steal your coworkers' lunch. Mmm, nice lasagna, Trevor. <laughs> Next up, 
Jared Kushner, senior presidential aide and mannequin eating at a fancy restaurant. He had a general election thought that kind of freaked a lot of people out. President Trump's senior advisor and son-in-law, Jared Kushner, one-on-one, what he said when asked if the presidential election could be delayed. That interview you saw with the president's son-in-law, Jared Kushner, raised eyebrows when Kushner was asked by time if there was a chance the presidential election could be postponed due to the pandemic. President Trump's son-in-law and senior advisor, Jared Kushner, is making news. In an interview with Time magazine, Kushner said he was not certain the presidential election would happen on November 3rd if there's another outbreak of coronavirus in the fall. Oh my God, Jared Kushner might delay the election? That is not good. Let me tell you something, my friends. An election is like peeing. You gotta do it when you're supposed to do it or your democracy will get a UTI. And honestly, I can't believe that Jared Kushner said this. And the reason I can't believe it is because he didn't actually say this. Yeah, because everyone from news outlets to thousands of people on Twitter are reacting off of the headline. But if you watch the actual interview, this is what Jared Kushner said. Is there any scenario, including a second outbreak in the fall where the elections move past November 3rd? Uh, That's too far in the future to tell. Nothing that I'm aware of now, but uh, again, our focus right now is just on getting the country- Will you commit that the elections will happen on November 3rd? Uh, It's not my decision to make, so I'm not sure I can commit one way or the other, but right now that's the plan. Yeah, you see, not only did Jared Kushner not say he's delaying the election, he laughs off the question and says it's not his decision to make. And look, I'm not a fan of Jared Kushner, but I don't think it's helpful for anybody to stir up shit like this at a time like this. I mean, people are out here pretending to be ants. They don't need added stress in their lives. So please, news outlets or whoever's putting these headlines up, like, let's not gin up controversy where it doesn't need to be. Especially since there's so many real things you can get mad at Jared Kushner for. You know, giving PPE contracts to his buddies, having sleepovers with the Saudi prince, or speaking in a frequency that summons locusts from miles away. And finally, you might have heard that last week, former President Barack Hallelujah Obama called Donald Trump's coronavirus response an absolute chaotic disaster. Well, yesterday, Mitch McConnell, Senate Majority Leader and semi-deflated pool float, decided to clap back. Just a day after former President Obama ripped the Trump administration's response to the COVID-19 outbreak, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell had this sharp criticism of Obama. I think President Obama um, should have kept his mouth shut, but I think it's a little bit classless, frankly, to uh, critique an administration that comes after you. Wow. I knew McConnell had balls because they're all right there in his neck scrotum, but I didn't know they were big enough to call President Obama classless and tell him to keep his mouth shut. And is it just me? Or did he say classless with a hard R? Like, really, Mitch? You think Obama is classless? My man. Your favorite president called his own mistress a horseface on Twitter during his presidency. And you know what? Maybe there was a time when former presidents would refrain from criticizing current ones. But that was before Trump. It's the same way scrunchies used to be considered tacky, but then coronavirus came along and the old rules, they don't apply anymore. All right, that's it for the headlines. After the break, we're gonna do a segment on drugs. Wait, that didn't sound right. We're gonna do a segment high on drugs. No, that's not it. Anyway, we'll be right back. 
Welcome back to the Daily Social Distancing Show. Usually when we talk about coronavirus, we focus on the lives lost, the economy, and jobs. But the truth is, this pandemic is affecting our world in a million different ways. And one of those effects is on the drug trade, which we're gonna explore in our new segment, Narcos in the Time of Corona. Let's begin with a gateway drug, wheat, AKA marijuana, AKA the Kushner, because it solves all your problems. It doesn't. Like Netflix and Japanese toilets, weed is something we're appreciating more and more during the lockdowns. With so many people self-isolating at home, at least one industry is booming. It's the marijuana industry. The orders are starting as soon as we open at 8.30 and they're just going consistently until we close. Sales have never been stronger than during shelter in place. Delivery at a social distance, of course. This mother of two likes her mommy mints. Cannabis business owners say they are hiring more drivers to meet the demand. And while mom now delivers dime bags, she's also picked up some of the lingo. I didn't understand what heavy was, but that is a word that's in the dictionary. You know, I don't think I will ever get used to how much the weed game has changed because it used to be some shady dude on the corner. Now, it's the lady who used to bring orange slices for everyone at half time. You know, it's gonna be real awkward when all those weed dealers who got incarcerated come back home to find their street corners got gentrified. Back up, buddy. This is Karen's corner now. But yes, people are stocking up on legal weed because of the corona shutdowns. Because for a lot of people, weed is a great way to de-stress and pass the time at home. Plus, now we all have the perfect excuse not to hang out with our dealer. Oh, sorry, dude. Yeah, I would, I would love to hang out with you and have you smoke half the weed that you just made me pay for, but social distancing. So for the legal drug trade, business is booming like crazy. But it turns out that all over the world, the illegal drug trade has been struggling hard because of coronavirus. Because it's a lot harder to hand people drugs when nobody's supposed to be touching. Police say the coronavirus lockdown is helping them catch drug dealers because they're easier to spot on our empty streets. Many of them are now dressing as joggers to avoid police detection. Police say drug dealers are posing as delivery workers, carrying cocaine and ketamine hidden in the bottoms of delivery packages. An island, they found a pizza box which had two handguns in it and eight kilograms of cocaine. Yeah, that's right, drug dealers are too easy to spot right now, so they're going undercover as joggers and pizza delivery guys. And that has to be such a roller coaster of emotions. Can you imagine a drug dealer shows up with a pizza box full of drugs? A random pizza showed up, yay! Oh, it's just drugs, yay! If you are a drug dealer who's trying to smuggle, you gotta pick the right pizza box though. Because if you're carrying a Papa John's box, that'll be a dead giveaway. Hands up! This is the police, drop the box. What? I'm just delivering some Papa John's. Nice try, buddy. I don't care how desperate people are. Nobody's ordering Papa John's. But the impact on small time drug dealers is nothing compared to how the pandemic is messing with the big picture. In fact, the entire global drug trade has been brought to its knees by COVID-19. 
Mexican and Colombian drug cartels are really being crippled by this pandemic. As supply chains in China shut down, traffickers are losing the chemicals to make profitable drugs like meth and fentanyl. One big problem for cartels is distribution. They can no longer transport drugs to where they can sell them. For drug traffickers, the shutdowns have crippled money laundering schemes, creating a backlog of drug proceeds. Now millions of dollars of dirty money have been piling up in Los Angeles. Wow. Coronavirus is crushing everybody. Factories in China can't make chemicals. Without chemicals, drug dealers can't make meth. And without meth, Joe Exotic has no way to make straight guys marry him. And it's not just the supply chain. Because of lockdowns, drug dealers can't launder their cash. And that cash is not dirty because of drugs. It's also dirty because it's got corona on it. So now you gotta launder it through a fake business and then you gotta launder it with actual detergent. This is too much work. Now, if you wanted the drug cartels and you're struggling to move your money in LA, I got a tip for you guys. You should just do what everyone else in LA does when they have too much money, make a movie. Yeah, think about it. Half all of Hollywood movies are just money laundering schemes. Like The Goldfinch, that's not a real movie. Do you know anyone who watched that movie? No, money laundering. I mean like, even the actors are not real. Ansel Elgort, that's not a name. That's like just someone's leftover Scrabble tiles. By the way, Ansel, they made me say those jokes. I don't think they're funny at all. I love you, baby driver. So, what are the cartels doing now with so much of their business shut down? Well, like the rest of us, some of them are taking up new quarantine hobbies. Mexican drug cartels moonlighting as philanthropists. Drug gang members in states like Jalisco and Sinaloa have been handing out what are essentially care packages to ordinary citizens. In Rio de Janeiro, drug cartels are imposing curfews, putting signs and hand sanitizer at the entrance to the slum. As South Africa tries to control the spread of coronavirus, gang leaders have halted their turf wars and turned their delivery networks, usually used for drugs trafficking, to get food to poor households instead. The best distributors in the country, they know how to distribute things, hey? They're used to distributing other, other white powders, <laughs> um, but still, they're distributing things and then they know everybody. Yeah, that's right. With the drug trade on pause, gangs around the world have started helping in their communities instead. And I don't know, man, these gangs might want to be careful delivering groceries and hand sanitizer, because that's Amazon's turf. You guys think you're tough? Wait until you meet Jeff Bezos. A month from now, the Sinaloa cartel is gonna be the Sinaloa Amazon Fulfillment Center. And no benefits. You know, one thing I'm excited to see is how this coronavirus is gonna change gang tattoos. I got this one for killing a man in cold blood. And I got this one for helping Mr. Hernandez bake banana bread. But yeah, what all of this has revealed is that just like many other industries around the world right now, even the drug cartels are struggling to deal with corona. And until people get healthy again, the drug cartels can't get back to their job of making people unhealthy. Which is actually why I think if we wanna get coronavirus vaccines out to as many people as possible, we should put the cartels in charge. Hear me out, hear me out, hear me out. They have the distribution, they have the networks, and unlike the big pharmaceutical companies, they'll give us our first taste for free. When we come back, I'll be talking to Los Angeles Mayor Eric Garcetti about how Los Angeles is handling the coronavirus pandemic. Stay tuned. Welcome back to the Daily Social Distancing Show. Earlier today, I got the chance to speak with Los Angeles Mayor Eric Garcetti. We spoke about the coronavirus stay-at-home orders that made everybody go crazy when they said LA was shutting down for three more months. So check it out. 
Maya Garcetti, welcome to the Daily Social Distancing Show. Um, I love your T-shirt. That's, uh, that's going to curry you some favor with the person asking you questions. Well, th this is actually my standard governing outfit during the coronavirus crisis. <laughs> I can't wait to take it off. It's been like 60 days I haven't taken this thing off. Oh, yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's not a good idea. Um, let's, let's, let's jump straight into what, you know, the chaos that people experienced, I think, over the past 24 hours. Um, I remember getting a notification myself. And it said, California, it was LA County announces that the lockdown will carry on, the stay-at-home orders will carry on for three more months. And immediately, you know, I could see the chaos online. People were like, what the hell, three more months? How has this number gone up? Where did this come from? This thing is never gonna end. You know, California doesn't have a high death rate. What exactly is going on in LA County? Is, is the place gonna be shut down for three more months? So LA County and LA City are different, but we're working really closely together. So when the health officer for the LA County, Dr. Ferrer, who's amazing, said that there will still be a health order in place for at least the next three months, you're right, everybody flipped out thinking, nothing's gonna change in those three months, we're still locked down. All she was saying, and I think this is really important in understanding this crisis, we're not moving beyond COVID-19, we're learning to live with it. And every place that's so-called open, every politician says we're open, actually has a whole bunch of stuff that still will remain closed and guidance for our protection. And places that are so-called closed have always been partially open. So this is about living in the gray and realizing that three months from now, all she was saying is we're not gonna be with no restrictions until there's a cure. So we're gonna have to socially distance, physically distance. We're gonna have to wear masks. We're gonna have to protect our vulnerable, like elderly and people with pre-existing conditions. And you can't do everything everywhere yet. And you nice. won't be able for a while. So, so let's talk a little bit about what some of these phrases and these things mean. So, so is this gonna be a stay at home order or, or, or was that misreported? Our order is actually called safer at home. And I think that will stay for the next you know, year or many months, realizing that we are all safer at home. That said, we're gonna take steps as often as we safely can. For instance, this past weekend, we said we opened up a bunch of retail for curbside uh, delivery and pickup. We uh, opened up our trails and our beautiful parks, and it was mm -hmm. awesome outside. Today, our beach is open. I say kind of stay away from the dry areas. This is about the wet areas of the beach where you can exercise and surf and swim. So as long as we don't see numbers go up, let's take these steps together. Wait a few weeks after each one. Hold, go forward, or if things are bad, retreat. And then how are you deciding what opens and when it opens? You know, because we're seeing a lot of people around the country getting riled up saying like, you know, why are these places open? Why are these places not open? I want to get back to work or I want to get a haircut or whatever, whatever. Everyone has a different reason. And as, as an elected official, it would be nice to know how you are choosing which um, sectors of the economy get to open up first or not. Yeah, that's such an important question, Trevor, because we all have feelings about what we personally want open. But I look at it threefold. I say, first, what's the need and how deep is the need? Either an economic need or let's say a psychological, spiritual need, like to get out there have open spaces. Second, what's the risk? And the good thing is a lot of people have assessed risk. We can see how long it takes for vapor to spread in a restaurant that people sit at for an hour with 10 of them there. So assess that risk and give it a number. And then third, look at safety. How much of that risk can you mitigate by doing something? For instance, we kept construction open in Southern California. Northern California closed that down early on. We saw some bad habits, but we brought inspectors, PPE and everything else to every construction site in Los Angeles, and we didn't have big outbreaks. 
so those folks could earn money, we could build infrastructure we needed. So it's just about learning lessons and, again, being comfortable in that gray area, assessing that need, that risk, and the safety you can add to it. You know, Elon Musk made news, you know, and I know he's further away from LA City, obviously, but he made news when he said he's going to defy the orders and he's open up, opening up his factory. What, what message do you think this sends to other business owners and, and, and what would you hope would be, you know, what, what, do you, what would you hope would be a better direction to take as a business owner who wants to get things going again? You know, I actually trust business owners and school principals that they're going to take care of their people the most. They care about whether they get sick. They care whether they die. They care about their customers. So we've convened just industry groups who get together in manufacturing. Uh, for instance, in L.A., we've got a lot of clothes manufacturers. So a lot of the masks people are buying around the country are being made by folks who are doing that in a safe way. We've talked to sports leagues about how they could safely have sports games without fans. We've talked to retailers. You know, you've got to listen to folks, but this is not a time for one person to, to rant or to have their own moment. We have to do this together. And I appreciate that some push government to go faster because government, to, in my opinion, can be too slow. But when there's lives on the line, let's make sure we do it right, because the worst thing is to open up the wrong way and to see not only people die, but our economy be shut down for even longer. Do you have any idea of... Um how school openings are going to look. I mean, we saw one of the biggest stories that came out was, you know, the university um, in California saying, hey, it looks like we're going online. Um, it may be easier for tertiary education, but, you know, for kids who are going to elementary school or whatever, the, you know, they need education. Some of them need meals. Do, is there a rollout plan to get kids back into schools? We, we've got to get them back in schools because we can't get the economy going or people can't go to work, especially working parents, if they don't have their kids in school. It's not just education, it's daycare. Um, and so I'm confident that we can, if the numbers don't spike up for other reasons, that we can get kids in school. It won't be the same school we're used to. It might not be as many days a week or as many hours a week, but kids need to see each other. I think they need to be face-to-face -face with teachers again, and especially lower-income kids, even though here we finally got to a point where every kid now has a laptop and internet access. It's just not the same. And a lot, I'm worried that especially in our communities and Latino and African-American communities, there's kids that are falling even further behind in poor communities. Kids are not catching up with the gap they already start with. So I think by the fall we can do that. But everything I say is with the big caveat, see where the numbers are at. Let's plan for it. Let's hope for it. Um, let's do it intelligently. But if the numbers tell us to go back, maybe we go back indoors for uh, a short period of time. All right, so final question then. If if a resident of, of LA, you know, whether it's the county or the city, I know you're the mayor of Los Angeles, said to you, okay, what is the plan? What are the dates? What am I aiming for as a person? Because I think that's what's lacking in a lot of the messaging is people are sitting at home and they're like, I don't know what I'm aiming for or trying to do or trying to get to. What would you say to them? What, what should they look for as benchmarks and where do you hope to go in the coming weeks or months? So two things, we're gonna follow the numbers and people can actually follow them now in Los Angeles. New York has a good site as well. Actually look at those numbers, see if our hospitals are getting overwhelmed, see if our deaths are stable and going down, see those things because that's how I'm gonna make my decisions. Second, this isn't about set dates. Nobody can tell the future today in May about what will happen in June, what will happen in July, what will happen in August. But that's no excuse to not start planning and putting that together. So I have confidence that we're going to, every few weeks, take another step forward with a big if. And this is the third thing and the most important. This is in your hands. You can kill people and you can save people. Don't be funny. Don't be a smart aleck. 
don't go together with 20 people at a dinner party and think you can get away with it secretly. We might not catch you, but somebody's going to catch coronavirus and you're going to wonder why two weeks later was that one night worth it. So listen to the health officers, practice good behavior, and we get through this. This is a year, maybe more, probably, of this kind of behavior until we have a vaccine. Think about our parents and our grandparents. They went through multiple years of depression, of uh, World War II. Um, we can stand up and be the best and write an amazing chapter for our cities, for our country, and hopefully for our world. Mayor Garcetti, thank you so much for the time. And uh, I'm gonna make sure to send every single guest a T-shirt from now on, because I like this look. Could you send me a sweatshirt too? That'd be uh, awesome. Uh, let's, let's, not, let's not push it too far. I don't have money for these things. All right. Thank you so much, Mayor Garcetti. Have a good one. Good to see you. <laughs> Thank you so much, Mayor Garcetti. I'll send you that sweatshirt as soon as I make it. When we come back, Billy Porter joins us on the show to talk about engaging voters through his new single, For What It's Worth. Stick around. Welcome back to the Daily Social Distancing Show. Earlier today, I got the chance to speak to Billy Porter, the multi-talented performer who's won Emmy, Tony, and Grammy Awards. We talked about his new single and how he's trying to engage voters in a major election year. Billy Porter, welcome yeah. to the Daily Social Distancing Show. Nice to see you. Good to see you too, sir. I have to say you are the uh, most stylish at-home person I have seen. I feel like you don't understand the rules of coronavirus. My stylist made me dress up for you. It's very important. But I mean, I'm, I mean, this is, I've got corona swag. I wear, I wear sweats now, that's what I do. I love it. I'm gonna put my sweats on right after. Just well, to I'm, see. Yeah, I was hoping, I was actually hoping, I was hoping you would show me like, what is Billy Porter's version of at home? Cause you always do that. You take whatever, what everybody's wearing and you take it to the next level. Whether it's like a Met Gala look, whether it's a- I'm gonna tell you a... what my next level is right now. I don't have no <laughs> pants on. That's my next level. That's how Billy Porter's doing it. Only the top half. <laughs> oh, so what you're saying is it's all class and then all ass. That's what you're all saying. All class and all ass. <laughs> okay, okay, I like it. Um, welcome, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining me today. Um, you know, you, you, you are one of those people who is doing everything all of the time, and now it feels like the world has come to a stop. And I, you were one of the people where I wondered, I was like, so what is Billy doing now? Did you take a break or are you just working more from home? What? It's twofold, yes and yes. I am taking a break. I am learning what self-care is. I am learning what boundaries are. I'm learning what balance is. You know, I really do have a place and a space to breathe in this time, and I know how blessed I am to have that. Mm -hmm. So I'm using that. With that said, I do wake up every morning at 5 a.m. and write until 10 because I'm working on a memoir, I'm working on a children's picture book, I wrote a pilot, I'm writing a musical, you know, like, I'm a creative person. Wow. And I have been a freelance creative person for my whole life. So this is what I've done my whole life. This is no right. different from what, I've right. always had to just fill my own time up. So that's not new. The terror that comes along with this time is, is the hard part. Right. You, you, you've responded to that, and I think um, you're one of the you most politically so? engaged celebrities I know of. You know, you've never been afraid to make your voice. Yeah, I, I think so. <laughs> you've never no, been afraid to, to, to say, you know, to speak your mind. You've never been afraid to get involved. Um, obviously, you, you know, you've been fighting for yeah. gay rights. You've been I fighting mean, for equality, and now you're fighting for people to vote. Tell, 
Tell me about your new song. What, what, tell me how, that, how it was inspired and why you chose the music you chose. So, you know, I'm first generation post-civil rights movement, right? And then I came out during the AIDS crisis. Activism is in my DNA. I'm a music man. When I was growing up, there was a thing called protest music. That was a genre. And so way back in September, I knew that the election was coming up. I know that I have this newfound platform of whatever you call it. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to make sure that I, you know, was doing my part and showing up and using my, my platform and my powers for good because um, there's a monster in the White House and we have to get him out. However, we must. And so I just want to make sure that I'm doing my part. So we put this thing together with the hope that it might in, engage, ignite, mm -hmm. remind people that the power is in us. We, the people, have the power to change. Um, and we got to get out and vote and do that. Well, how would you respond to people who say, Billy, I don't see the point in voting. You know, a lot of, a lot of young people might say, there's no point, nothing changes, the world is always gonna be the same, one administration to the next, there's not a big shift. How would you respond to those people as someone who said you are first-generation civil rights and you fought for gay rights as well? I mean, I have seen it. I've lived through it. And I think the challenge right now and the disconnect is the wild, wild west that we're in of this technology, of this online t technology. You know, we have to figure out how to bring in uh, the tenets of how we were activists during the civil rights movement, whether it's the sit-in, the bus boycotts, you know, the bridge, blah, 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 whatever. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, and meld that together with what we can do with technology. And that will be the new way that we that we can activate, but we haven't gotten there yet. You know, it's like right. sitting behind my computer and Twittering is not activism, y'all. You know, and I say that to myself too, you know, it's like, I don't, I'm not sure where we begin. You know, we're already in it. Somebody has to plan the stuff. Um, <laughs> you know, that's not my skill set, but I can sing a mean song when it is planned. Amen to that, my friend. Um, well, I know I gotta let you go. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for looking stylish. Um, I'll, I'll just believe that, that there are no pants because I feel like if you stand up, you're gonna disappoint me. And uh, hopefully I'll see you on the other side. <laughs> uh, thank you so much, Billy. I'll see you again. Bye. Well, that's our show for tonight. But before we go, the COVID pandemic has taken a serious toll on many people's mental health. And here in the United States, the Disaster Distress Helpline is trying to address this crisis. They've got counselors who are trained to meet the mental health needs of this unique situation. And if you are able to, and you'd like to help them, then please donate whatever you can. If you'd like to support specifically in New York, then please donate to NYC Well, which is also providing free confidential mental health support. Until tomorrow, stay safe out there, wash your hands, and remember, Thursday, is the one that comes after Wednesday. The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, ears edition. Watch The Daily Show weeknights at 11, 10 Central on Comedy Central and the Comedy Central app. Watch full episodes and videos at thedailyshow.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and subscribe to The Daily Show on YouTube for exclusive content and more. This has been a Comedy Central podcast.